Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. Right now, you're about to listen to a message from our current series. Thanks for tuning in today. Open your Bibles to Exodus 17. We're going to begin or continue our series on the, uh, um, on the seven redemptive names of Jehovah. Why is that important? Because these seven redemptive names reveal the character of God. How many believe that uh, God of the Old Testament is God of the New Testament? Raise your hand if you believe that. Amen. And so we need to learn from that. We study the life and ministry of Jesus, and then we get to know who God is. But God had specifically, there were more, he has got many names, but there were seven, we call them redemptive names that, that uh, reveal his character and reveal the redemptive work of Christ that you and I um, get to uh, uh, enjoy today, uh, reap the rewards of those redemptive names uh, uh, as we journey through this life on our way to heaven. Amen. So last Wednesday night, we discovered, praise God, that uh, one of his names, God's names is Jehovah Nisi, and it's found in Exodus 17. Now, here the Bible says that the Amalekites attacked Israel, and um, and the Bible says that while Joshua fought the battle physically, Moses fought the battle spiritually. He stood in the gap by, uh, through what a means called intercession. And the Bible says that he got tired, and once he let his hands down or arms down, that the Amalekites would, uh, would um, get the edge. And so he, he got Aaron, the high priest on one side, and her, doesn't, we said last week, the Bible doesn't say much about the gentleman called her, H-U-R, but uh, they believe he was, excuse me, he was of the tribe of Judah, and so he was probably a close associate of Aaron and Moses, and so he, one on each side, they held up the arms of Moses. Why? So that when he held up the arms of Moses, then Israel had the strength uh, and the anointing of God to not only fight the good fight, but to win the war. How many believe that God wants you to win the wars of life in your life? Amen. Oh, here's what it says. So the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of the Amalek from under the heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of that place Jehovah Nisi. And the word means the Lord, our banner. First of all, I always forget that we are online uh, uh, live tonight. So thank you, everyone, for joining us that are online. We appreciate you being uh, online. But hopefully, if you've been away from church for a season, get back here, praise God. It, this, is, this is a safe zone, praise the Lord. Can I have an amen? It's a place you can come and sit under the anointing of God and, and, and allow God to minister to you. Amen. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our banner. Now, under the new covenant, Jesus conquered Satan. We know that. And all his cohorts. We know that from Colossians 2.15. And um, the Bible says he stripped him of his power over mankind. That's why I said last week in Mark, the 10th chapter, uh, in, uh, uh, where, um, no, it isn't, it isn't, Luke, the 5th chapter, I believe it is. What, one of those chapters. It says that, uh, that um, there was a man that was demon-possessed. And... Um, uh, and so, and Jesus cast the demons out of him. But what was so beautiful about it, even though he was possessed with whatever, six to 8,000 demons, it doesn't matter, one or 6,000, it doesn't matter. The Bible says that, um, uh, that when, he, when Jesus stepped upon that property, the Bible says that that man, though he was so demon-possessed, the demons could not stop him from running to Jesus and bowing down and worshiping Jesus. Is that awesome or what? Amen. 
And so we know that Jesus conquered the devil, stripped him of his power over mankind. And at the same time, he provided spiritual armor for the body of Christ so that every kind of sin and rebellion that Adam, uh, Adam's compromise brought into the world, we were able to overcome. So number one, I said this last week, God has never or ever been the author of or instigated any kind of war or warfare. He's not the author of war. He's the author of peace. Can I have an amen? amen. In fact, he's the author of, of, um, of peace and blessing, praise God, and, and unity and harmony. But we also know from last Wednesday night that we know the author of all wars is Satan himself. We found that out in Revelation, the 12th chapter. He was an archangel who, listen to this, who deceived himself into believing that um, the glory flowing through him was coming from him. Do you hear that? He began to believe that the glory that was flowing through him was coming from him. And the Bible calls that pride. And it was pride that became his downfall. Now, what's interesting is that Peter actually addresses this in his letter to the church in the first century and warned the church about pride and avoiding pride. And here's what he says. Clothe yourself. Nobody can do it else for you. Nobody else can do it for you. Clothe yourselves, the Bible says, all of you, with humility as the garb of a servant. Now, somebody's talking to the church as a servant so that its covering cannot possibly be stripped from you. With freedom from pride and arrogance toward one another. For God has set himself against the proud, the insolent, the overbearing, the disdainful, the presumptuous, the boastful. And he opposes, frustrates, and defeats them but gives grace and favor and blessing to the humble. Isn't that good? How many want God's grace and blessing on your life? Amen. So that comes through you. You personally recognize it. You know, we are not some low life, some worm, just, uh, you know, struggling in the mud of life. We are sons and daughters of God. But even then, we have to be careful that we don't try to exalt or value ourselves above, above the value of God in us. Amen. And I've said this through the years because I've observed it. I've observed God using people, and then they get into pride and think they've got something, you know, or they're better than someone else because God used them. Well, if God uses any of us, it should even create within us a greater level of humility, not a, not a greater level of pride. Can I have an amen? Because every one of us know every one of us. Amen. And... Um, so it should create more humility. Okay. So be, verse 8. Oh, no, I want to finish. Verse 6. Therefore, humble yourselves, uh, demote or lower yourselves in your own estimation under the mighty hand of God, that in due time he may exalt you. So God wants to exalt his people, but let God do it. I said, let God do it. Amen. Amen. And then verse 8 says, be well balanced, temperate, sober of mind, be vigilant and cautious at all times. Why? Because that enemy of yours, the devil, he roams around like a roaring lion. And I like this next phrase, the Amplified says, in fierce hunger, in fierce hunger. You know, you have to understand every demon spirit that runs or uh, travels to and fro throughout the earth, he is tormented by the fact that he doesn't have a body to express himself. That's why he wants to possess a body so that he can express himself and f find some kind of a satisfaction uh, in, 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 uh, while he's uh, walking to and fro throughout the whole earth. He's looking for a body to possess. Say this a lot. He can't possess me. Can't. Amen. Amen. Not going to let him. Praise the Lord. And so, so humble yourselves and God will exalt you. Then he says, he says and goes on. Uh, be well balanced, temperate, sober of mind, be vigilant, cautious at all times, that enemy of yours, the devil, roams about like a roaring lion, in fierce hunger, seeking someone, and I, I just added this, because this is what he's talking about, seeking someone who's full of pride, yeah. 
to seize upon and devour. So withstand him. Be firm in faith against his onset. Be rooted and established, strong, immovable, and determined, knowing that the same identical sufferings are appointed to your brotherhood, the whole body of Christians throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who imparts all blessing and favor, who has called you to his own eternal glory in Christ, will himself complete and make you what you ought to be. How many want to be made what you ought to be? Amen. And what he simply means, he wants you to make, more, he wants you to make you more Christ-like. I mean, that, that's what this is all about. Amen. And uh, establish and ground you securely and strengthen and settle you. Now to him be, now to him be uh, the dominion, power, authority, rule forever and ever. And everyone say amen to that. Amen. It's true. So now we know that Satan is the author of all warfare. Now watch, listen to this. This is what the Spirit said to me. He says, because warfare originated in the spirit realm, it cannot be fought nor won by natural means. You have to understand that. You are, uh, you, you, you remember, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. So you cannot conquer or fight that kind of warfare by human means or natural ability. You have to do it in the spirit. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. Number two, all warfare has always been relational. This is what the Lord really spoke to me, and I want to emphasize again, uh, and, and we'll close out this, this part of the series of Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our banner. You, all, all warfare always has been relational, which, of course, stems from Satan's rebellion against his creator. Now, there are examples throughout the entire Bible of relational warfare, and we'll give you, I'm going to give to one great important example, but there are many, and I'll just give you a few. In Genesis 13, there was relational warfare between the herdsmen of Lot and the herdsmen of Abraham, amen, to which Abraham had to uh, really address in order to receive the next steps that God had for him, really. the Bible, You read Genesis 13 and 14, once, oh, it's so beautiful, once he addressed the strife issue and, and, and separated himself from the strife environment, the Bible says, and then the Bible says, then he gave tithes to Melchizedek. Once those two things happened in Genesis 15, God gave him the next step to what he wanted him to do. Isn't that beautiful? See, I believe that God, I believe that God really wants to give us specific direction for our lives, but they're, they're, it's preceded by some things we got to get straight in our own lives. And he'll, he'll address those things uh, and speak to us individually uh, of whatever they may be. Uh, we know there was relational warfare between Jacob and Esau. Um, right? I mean, sibling warfare uh, between King Saul and David. There was relational warfare between David and his son Absalom. I mean, you see this throughout the scriptures. So don't be surprised, you know, when we see sibling rivalry and it turns into warfare. And because I believe, even tonight, I believe that every family that is here tonight has had, has had some kind of relational warfare in their lives. If you haven't, you probably will. It's just part of the journey, relational warfare. And I hate it. The older I get, the worse I hate it. I hate relational warfare. I don't care if it comes from the immediate family or from uh, you know, other family members. Uh, I don't, God hates relational warfare also. Uh, raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about tonight. Relational warfare, absolutely, because we're all familiar with it. Okay, so um, 
then moving on to the New Testament, there was relational warfare between the Pharisees and Jesus, uh, between the disciples of John and the disciples of Jesus. There was warfare between the Apostle Paul and Mark. Isn't that something? Even the Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, Mark started out in ministry with him, and Mark um, didn't, um, just did, uh, probably he was young, and the Lord didn't want to take the heat. I mean, Paul, I mean, went, everywhere Paul went, there was spiritual uh, rivalry and warfare, so he steps out of the situation, and I'm telling you, the Apostle Paul was not happy about it. In fact, the, 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 the warfare became so intense that literally uh, Barnabas ended up going with Mark, and Silas ended up with, with, with Paul. Uh, the contention got so bad. And, but praise God, Paul, I mean, before Paul died, he got that resolved in his heart. And you'll see how he, he restored that relationship with Mark. He finally, you know, understood. He understood, you know, I mean, he understood, just like we do. He understood that um, uh, he, could, he could take some things that Mark just couldn't. Uh, Paul was graced to, um, uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 11, I believe, just really gives details of the sufferings of Paul. And I mean, I don't think any of us in here, any of us in here could come close to walk the path that the apostle Paul walked. But he walked it, and God graced him for it. And so at the end of his life, he restored his relationship with Mark. But, of course, we're talking about, again, relational warfare. So tonight, I want to look at the first casualty of relational warfare, which is recorded in Genesis 4. So turn to Genesis 4. We'll look at the first casualty of relational warfare. And to no one's surprise, it was between siblings, and that is Adam and Eve's sons, Cain and Abel, okay? Genesis, the fourth chapter. I'm going to read this out of the NIV. And uh, the Bible says that Adam laid with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. And she said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a son. And later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, because he was a shepherd, and Cain worked the soil. He was a grain producer, a farmer. In the process, or in the, the King James says, in the process of time, this, this translation says, in the course of time, or over time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. Now the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. Why? Why did, why did God accept Abel's, but he rejected Cain's? Well, it all has to do with what was going on on the inside, just like you. And I do believe this with all my heart because I see it from the scriptures. The, the, the greater degree of love that you walk in as a believer, the greater degree of revelation you receive from God. And the less you walk in, in, the, less you walk in the character of God the more blinded you become to the truth of God's word. That's why when you come to church, let a man examine himself. You know, when it talks about communion. I mean, examine your heart. Make sure that you have inside resolved the issues that, that you know what I'm saying, that, that have plagued you or, or, or are hindering you at that moment from receiving from God. Get it right. Get, I mean, get to the altar, repent, praise God, so that when the word is preached, you'll be prepared to receive what God wants you to uh, hear. If, if you agree, say amen to that. So the Bible says that Cain's offering was rejected. Why? Because he refused to address and conquer the relational warfare that was raging within. Listen, fueled by anger. And the Bible says, so Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. And the Lord said, Cain, why are you angry? Why? 
Settle that issue. Why are you so angry? And why is your face downcast? Here's what God's, this is God speaking to us. You don't think God cares? God himself, God himself came to uh, Cain to try to get him to awaken to the air that he allowed into his heart. And he says, why? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? And I've taught on this for many years, but I'll tell you, one day as I was studying a few years ago, and I felt quickened by the Spirit to look up the word accepted. If you do well, will you not be accepted? The word accepted in the Hebrew means to be promoted in rank or character. And I said to the Lord, Lord, why rank or character instead of rank and character? And immediately the Holy Spirit said back to me, he said, because Cain had the rank, but he lacked the character. He was the firstborn. He was called to exemplify what his father taught him regarding his relationship with God. And that he had to be a man of God, a man of faith, a man of love, because faith works by love. Can I have an amen? Amen. See, Adam walked with God. He understood that God was a spirit being. Adam didn't worship a rock or a tree, you know, or any individual. He worshiped God. And so he handed that down to his sons. And uh, Cain um, was to be the example to his brother uh, of a righteous man and a man who walked in faith and obedience to the word of God. Accepted. If if, If you do right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. Watch this. But you must master it. You. God didn't say, well, I'll sure pray for you. And I hope, I hope, I hope to me. You know, hope to God. I hope to me. It works out okay. Some of you get that later. Anyway. Yeah. He, he was, he put the responsibility on Cain. Cain, you're the one. Sin is knocking on the door. It wants you. You're going to have to conquer it. Deal with it. Amen. The mastery of sin, listen, or excuse me, the mastery over sin is our individual responsibility. And God will never tell you to do something that he doesn't grace you for. And remember I said years ago, uh, excuse me, I said a few weeks ago that, and I've said it many times, being being here 40 years, you repeat yourself a lot. So Um, uh, some of you, Michelle's heard every story in the book and a hundred times over and she still smiles and says, hallelujah. (laughs) And um, Amen. Um, so God will never tell you to do something, not grace you for it. Amen. Amen. So he taught me years ago, years ago, years ago when somebody filed bankruptcy on me and, um, and it was a born again spiritual believer and it was hard because it was 1981, 1981, we'd started faith family church. We started with nothing. In fact, you know, if we looked up years ago, we found out some of the, we found some of the receipts that we had from what we were paid. And when we began, praise God, we had 26,000 in the bank when we came to Sioux Falls. And um, so we lived in that for about a year and a half, two years. But we were also drawing $50 a week. Now, you, that, that sounds uh, like, that, I mean, no, I'm not talking about 1920. 1981, when his interest rates were 16%. Actually, they were 18%. And so... So, you know, so God dealt with me on, on that, that I had to forgive him. And I said, Lord, how do I forgive him? He said, by faith. So the whole Christian life is a journey of faith. We love by faith. We forgive by faith. Come on, we worship by faith. We serve by faith. Come, everything's a faith journey. And if it isn't a faith journey, you're not pleasing God. Because you're always going to have opportunity. 
always for relational warfare. It's, it's, it's going on nonstop. I mean, our country is being torn apart because of relational warfare. I mean, many years ago, you had two parties, and they worked together. Yes, they butted heads, but they always worked together. They always compromised, and they, they always came to a resolve. And, and, and now there's, there's so much divisiveness and, and, and so much twisted wickedness and evil that um, uh, that's why we need a spiritual awakening. Can I have an Amen. We really do, and I believe we're going to get there too in Jesus' name. So Cain said to his brother, let's go out into the field. And the moment I read that years ago, the word field just jumped out of me. Jumped out of me. Why? Because the field is the place of seed time and harvest. So he said, let's go out into the field. And what happened? The Bible says while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother uh, Abel and killed him. Killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? Do you think God knew where he was? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? He better believe it he was. Amen. Say this out loud. I am my brother's keeper. You really are. You really, you are. Even if you're the youngest in the family and you're saved, you're your brother's keeper. You're your sister's keeper. Can I have an Amen. You're the ones to take the lead spiritual. You're the ones to take the example of love and compassion and patience and forgiveness and kindness and goodness. You're the one that sets that. You're the one called to be that. Amen. Amen. So the Bible says, the Lord said, what have you done? Now listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. Now, when you work the ground, it will be no longer, it'll no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. And how many of those restless wanderers we have today that refuse to address the relational warfare going on? They spend their entire lives blaming and I told you this before, but I had a brother-in-law, he, he, he was 51 years old, he spent, and I knew him when he was 20, he was just a fun guy, he was just a character, uh, and um, had accepted Christ in his life at one time, and, and great guy, but he, he was embittered at his mother because his mother was a drunk. He died as an alcoholic at 51 years old because he held on to that. You'll spend your life blaming others for, for the things in your life, stop it. Just address it, be responsible for it, get over it, and live for God. Can I have an amen? That's what God wants. Amen. It's a good place to shout hallelujah. That's true. Stop blaming people. Stop blaming people. Not going to help you at all. So what's sad about this story is that no one won in this relational warfare but the devil. Abel lost his temporal life. Cain lost his eternal life. Now, John was compelled to address this in his love letters, his love letters to the first century church. First John 3, it'll be on the screen. John says, he who commits sin, who practices evil doing. Now, there's a different, practices evil doing, is the, of the devil. He takes his character from the evil one. For the devil has sinned or violated the divine law from the very beginning, back to Genesis 1, Okay. And the reason the Son of God was made manifest or visible was to undo, destroy, loosen, and dissolve the works of the devil that he's done. If you believe he, Jesus did that successfully, raise your hand. He did. Absolutely. He really did. Now watch this. So, no one born of God deliberately 
knowingly and habitually practices sin, for God's nature abides in him, his principle of life, the divine sperm, remains permanently within him. And he cannot practice sinning because he's born or begotten of God. Now watch this. By this it is made clear who take their nature from God and are his children and who take their nature from the devil and are his children. No one who does not practice righteousness, who does not conform to God's uh, will in purpose, thought, and action is of God. Neither is anyone who does not love his brother, his fellow believer in Christ. Now if they could have just let that out. But it's amazing, again, the relational warfare in churches. I believe the world could have been saved years ago if the church would have just stayed in love. I'm talking about universally. The only reason we have 250 churches in Sioux Falls is because half of them uh, were started out of contention. Amen. Out of division instead of out of harmony harmony and love. And, 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 And I wish the best for all of them. But I'm telling you right now, that's why anywhere you go to church, you think you can find the right church or the perfect church. It was until you got there. Just kidding. But see, we're always, we're always, you know, but if you just get rooted and stay planted, you'll grow and stay humble and stay teachable, praise God. I mean, amen. I, praise the Lord. Just true. Let's go on. So watch this. For this is the message which you have heard from the first, that we should love one another and not be like Cain. Now watch this. Who took his nature. Now to take something, you could have had it before you took it. That's why I believe with all my heart that he had learned from his father the right way to live. And because he was the older brother, he was responsible to hand that down to his brother, Abel. But he refused to do it. He got into pride. He took on the nature, the Bible says, and got his motivation from the evil one and slew his brother. And why? The question is why? Because his deeds and activities or works were wicked and malicious, and his brothers were righteous or virtuous. So again... He took it, meaning that his deeds or works at one time were good, but he allowed them to become malicious when he didn't deal with his own heart. That's why you can't, you got to stop blaming everybody else for where you're at in your life. Just accept the fact that God loves you and will grace you for whatever you have to walk out in your life. Allow him to do it. Take on his nature and it'll come out okay. And everybody say amen to that. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So, because Cain failed to steward his own heart, in the process of time, he gave place to evil thoughts and evil acts, which turned to an, into an angry and violent man. And isn't that funny? God, funny. See, God would not accept his, his offering, because not because the offering was wrong. People say, oh, because it wasn't a blood offering. No, no, it wasn't a, it wasn't a love offering. It wasn't a love offering. He was, in, he was in disharmony and broken fellowship with his brother, so God couldn't accept his offering. You fix that, and I'll accept your offering. Yeah. Human behavior hasn't changed from the first century to the 21st century. And James, we'll read this in James 4, James addresses the relational warfare that was going on in his day, James 4. So what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? 
Don't they, become, don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? He's writing to the church. You want what you don't have, so you scheme and you kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and rage war to take it away from them. I don't know about you, but I just rejoice when people get blessed. I don't, I don't feel jealous. I, don't, I mean, I just rejoice, praise God. Why? Because if God bless them, God will bless me. I mean, he's no respecter of persons. Come on. So don't, I mean, what is this jealousy thing? And I know siblings, uh, young siblings have a real problem with that. Isn't that funny? Even a little child at two years old will take, you know, or four years old will take a toy away from the two-year-old. Is that something that the nature that's already birthed those little children? But people grow up that way. And they never, ever get, resolve, get, get it resolved inside. Let's go on. You, you, yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't, you don't get it because your motives are wrong. You want only what, what will give you pleasure. He says, you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. If you want to act like the world, God, you're not going to walk in God's favor. If you want to live like the world, we were talking about that today. Randy and I were talking about that today. I mean, it's a challenge today. It's a challenge today when it comes to instructing people in the word of God because the culture has seeped into the church and the church has actually embraced the culture rather than embracing the word of God. And I'll just give you an example. It's living together. That's called fornication. That, that's sexual. That's wrong. You know, it, it, and yet today it, it's just, just another thing. You know, I mean, or, or in church you've got uh, we've seen it through the years. Uh, uh, believers fighting amongst believers, and they don't get it resolved. And then one fa family gets mad, so they leave because, I mean, I've had people address me and say, Pastor, if you don't deal with this couple because of what they said to me, what am I supposed to do about it? No, I'm serious. Deal with, deal with yourself, you big baby. I mean, we just got to grow up and have an amen. See, so he says this, don't you realize that the friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? Think about that. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Verse 7, so be subject to God, resist the devil, and I added this, how? Through a heart of humility and subservience. Stand firm against him or against his evil ways, and he will flee from you. See, this scripture has been so taken out of context. You know, well, I'm really having a tough day. Well, resist the devil. How, how do you resist the devil? <laughs> See, we, we don't stop for a moment. Just stop and consider what the Bible's saying. How do you resist the devil? Well, you resist him by not yielding to his nature. His nature of rebellion. His nature of pride. Come on. His nature of unforgiveness, his nature of uh, criticalness. So it isn't, I mean, the resistance comes from your obedience to God. Can I have an amen? That's why I say, if you know, the whole issue of even binding and loosing, that whole issue spiritually 
is that every time you walk in love, you're binding the devil. Every time you walk in forgiveness, you're binding the devil. Come on. Every time you walk by faith, you're binding the devil. I mean, that's where Satan is under. He's either defeated or not. And he's a defeated foe. But it's his nature that's in there that causes you know, all the, the dissension and, and the, the jealousy and the, and the bickering and the fighting. It's the nature. If we didn't have the nature, the, if we weren't carrying the Adamic nature, um, hey, hey, we'd be in heaven. <laughs> Some of you get that later too. But, right? In order to get rid of the Adamic nature, we got to get rid of this body. Amen. So he tells us how to resolve it. So, be subject to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God. There's the key. And he will come close to you. Recognize that you are sinners. Get your soiled hands clean. Realize that you have been disloyal, wavering individuals with divided interests, and purify your hearts of your spiritual adultery. He's writing to the church. And I don't think, again, I don't believe that there is enough I don't believe there's enough deep-seated um, conviction in our hearts. I, I just think it's lacking. People, you, years ago, they used to come to the altar. Um, Vicki called them when she was just a kid. Um, she had a, they had a saying, they come to the altar waiting on God. But they would weep, weep before God in remorse uh, for the way they've been living or thing. And not that they were out committing adult. It's just, you know, being critical, right? Being judgmental, you know, right? I mean, all of us have these issues we deal with, you know, or whatever, jealousy, whatever it may be. So they're at the altar just weeping before God, asking God for mercy. I don't see that today. He says, as you draw near to God, be deeply penitent and grieve. Watch this. Even weep over your disloyalty. Let your laughter be turned to grief and your mirth, that worth, worth means your humor, to dejection and heartfelt shame for your sins. Humble yourselves. No, again, no one else can do it for you. Humble yourselves, feeling very insignificant in the presence of the Lord. Watch this. And he will exalt you. He will lift you up and make your life significant. Is that awesome or what? It's, he always wants to do that for us. He, he is for us. He's not against us. We're our greatest enemy. And the old saying, you know, uh, you know uh, uh, Pastor, we, we fought all the way to church, and then we, uh, we put it on hold until we got back in the car. We fought all the way home. Well, that is, that's just not a way to live. Somebody has to diffuse it. Somebody has to put out the spark. Can I have an amen? I know none of us have done it here at Faith Family. There's other churches. So glad we're not part of those other churches. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got to close. In Hebrews 11, there's two more verses and I'm done. Hebrews 11:4 says this, because it mentions, he talks about, remember it's the faith, it's the heroes of faith, the faith chapter. And isn't it interesting, the first one he addresses regarding the life of faith was Abel. Watch this. By an act of faith. Say by an act of faith. Yeah, so he was no different. He, see, these guys were no different than us. They worshiped God by faith. They never saw him. They loved God by faith. They served God by faith. Come on. I mean, they were faith people. And the Bible says, by an act of faith, 
That Abel's faith in action. He brought a better sacrifice to God than Cain. It's what he believed, not what he brought, that made the difference. See, he believed that if he stayed in love, that love would prevail. His brother didn't believe that and took his life because of it. But Abel lives on. Abel lives on with God. And Cain lives on without God. He brought a better sacrifice to God than Cain. It was what he believed, not what he brought that made the difference. That's what God noticed and and approved as righteous. And after all these centuries, that belief continues to catch our notice. Again, what belief? The belief that the life of faith is required from every believer. Every believer. Amen. I just want you to know that. Understand that. That's why I always encourage everybody when I say lift up hands, it's just simply to get you to act on your faith and look to God. Don't look to me. Don't look to musicians. That's why we praise God by faith. That's why we worship God by faith. That's why we get on our knees sometimes by faith. Can I have an amen? We do all these things by faith because we simply want to do whatever is necessary reaching out to touch the heart of God so that in return, he will touch our lives. Is that why you come to church? You don't come to church to the golden star. You come to church to get touched by God, to get changed by God, to let the Holy Ghost do a work inside of you. That's why we come. Amen. Because we are here tonight because we need it. Amen. Thank you, Lord. If we love by faith, forgive by faith, walk in harmony by faith, bless one another by faith, serve one another by faith, there will never be any room for relational warfare. Can I have an amen? Amen. Finally, in James 3. Remember James 4, he talks about the warfare. He ends James 3 by giving the answer to all this. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation or lifestyle his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. Isn't that something? Uh, Again, you got to remember now, please remember this. James didn't have 66 books of the Bible that you and I have. We have no excuse. They didn't have that. So James is addressing a problem in the church that could destroy the church if it's not resolved. But if you have bitter ending and strife in your hearts, glory not, lie not against you. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but it's earthly, sensual, and devilish. For where ending and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Amen. 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 Let's give God praise if you enjoyed the message tonight. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. We fly the cross, the banner of the cross. We fly the banner of, of um, not only the cross, but an empty tomb. Can I have an amen? Because our Lord Jesus Christ, he is the Savior. And I love him with all my heart. Again, I've served him longer than most of you in here have been alive. I've been serving the God over 50 years. I've been serving my Lord over 50 years now. And uh, I love him as much as today as I did 50 years ago. And I'm just as grateful at this very moment in my life 
for his love, his kindness, his goodness. Uh, his, uh, every morning I say, Father, thank you that your mercies are new every morning. Lord, thank you that your compassions fail not. And then he, he, in, that, in that scripture, he says, great is thy faithfulness. What does that mean? He's not faithful to us, but he's faithful to his word that we trust. Amen. He's faithful to his word. So when you take him at his word, you obey his word, man, he'll return a great blessing back into your life. I want you to stand. I want to pray over you before we Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning services at 8.30 and 10.30. We also have a midweek service on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.